time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart, that's got passion for God, they're leading intercession on their schools, they're set apart, consecrated under God, and they've got a vision and a mission for their life. Um, I want to share with you guys, Pastor Dan was saying, y'all, you guys have been talking about this concept of honor, and so I just want us to go a little bit deeper um, in that tonight. So I want to go straight to the scripture, have your Bible or some form of a Bible. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter, Mark chapter 6. I'll start reading at verse 1. I'll be reading 1 through 6. I'll be reading out the New Living Translation. It'll be on the screen if you don't have that translation available. It's good to see everybody taking notes like good leaders and outstanding men and women of God. I'm going to start reading here. Mark chapter 6. Let me start at verse 1. It says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth. Everybody say Nazareth. His hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did you get, where did he get all of this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Verse 3 says, then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter. Yeah, son of Mary. And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And, and his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Verse 4 says, Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he could not do. I repeat, he could not do any miracles among them except to place his hands or to lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Verse 6 says, and he was amazed at their unbelief. It's one thing in scripture wherever Jesus says, because there's another place in the gospels where Jesus is amazed at the great faith of various people, but not so in this particular account. He was amazed, literally taken aback in shock and awe at the unbelief, the level of unbelief that these people had in him. I want you to bow your heads right where you are. Father of glory, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you that the word of God, the Bible, is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to divide even between soul and spirit. I thank you that all scripture has been given unto us and is profitable for rebuke, for reproof, for correction, that the men and women of God would be mature, would be strengthened in their faith. Jesus, speak to us through your word tonight. And at the end of this encounter with you, at the end of our time together, Father, I pray we would become a little bit more mature in our faith as sons and daughters, as prophets, as priests, as kings, as a royal favored family members of God. In Jesus' name, I pray, honor us with your presence here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're taking notes, I want to title this, The Fatal Flaw of Familiarity. 
the fatal flaw of familiarity. So um, as I was just kind of thinking about the topic of honor, I began to think about just different movies that, that we kind of like just love. Anybody like watching a good movie, like whether you're on a date or by yourself? Come on, raise your hand. All right, yes, come on, somebody. Anybody ever been to the movies by themselves before? Come on, somebody. Yes. And so, and so, and I, I'm, I didn't been there. Some people ashamed to raise their hand, but look, I wanted to see, I think it, it was one of the superhero movies and Octavia just don't get down like that. I mean, she's just like, uh, and she'll fall asleep. I'm like, I do not have $12 to donate to Cinemark or anybody else for you to get a good nap in the movie theater. So I went by myself. I left her at home. She went to bed. I went to the movies and saw maybe Batman or something like that. All my buddies were like gone. It was back in. So, so, so anyways, um, as I was thinking about my favorite movies and I was thinking about maybe even the top 20 movies like of all time that have earned like the most amount of money even. I was looking and I kind of came to this discovery that everyone loves epic moments in movies whenever honor takes place. Would you agree with that? Like, so, so amongst the top 20, this isn't all the top 20, but in the top 20 are uh, movies like The Avengers, uh, Dark Knight, Titanic, Passion of the Christ, Spider-Man, Hunger Games, Dark Knight Rises, E.T., the extraterrestrial. And come on, anybody ever seen E.T.? Y'all young, y'all young. All right, and Avatar. And so, but I was kind of looking for a central theme in the overwhelming majority of all these movies. These movies are filled with moments, or at least one epic moment, where you have a main character that is portraying something that is just so honorable. And it kind of comes off the screen. It's like... I want to be like that. I want to do some of that. You know what I'm saying? Not just the superhero movies, but just normal, natural, everyday people doing something bold and courageous, placing others before themselves and just kind of doing it at the risk. You know, whenever Jack, you know, you know, whenever he let Rose float on the little door. Okay. I know some of y'all was crying. I mean, I shed a tear or two, but it was just kind of epic that this guy would love, you know, little redheaded Rose so much that, that he would, you know, lay down his life, you know, and it's like, you can float on the door and I'm a drown, you know? And so, and so it, it, it's kind of, I mean, it's like honorable. I mean, didn't Jesus say, you know, greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for a friend. And so all these movies have these epic moments where someone does something that's worthy of honor. I think young adults within this generation seem to be heavily drawn to movies that involve characters Making choices to serve others, honorable things, elevating uh, the need, uh, the needs of many above their own need. Even more so, we seem to love the part in the movie where someone is actually honored by others for what they have done, you know, for, for who they for, the, for who they are. There's a guy by the name of Captain Sully. And most of you, maybe if you pay attention to the news back in January of 2009, uh, what had happened was he was a, um, he, he was a pilot. And they went to, uh, as he was flying on this plane, as soon as they took off about three minutes into their trip, uh, there was a group of birds. It's called a bird strike that happened. And so as they were flying, this huddle of birds, I don't know why I'm, I'm uh, vibrating here or something. Okay, it's test. 
Okay. So anyways, so as the plane was going, this group of birds kind of uh, comes head on with the plane, like into the engines, and then the plane goes down. Anybody familiar with this story? Y'all remember this? 2009. So the ship, I mean, so the uh, plane goes down. Captain Sully lands it in the Hudson River, and all 155 occupants are saved. You know, they landed on the Hudson River. It has been described as the most successful ditching in aviation history because that's what it's called. They lost all power, so they had to ditch the plane. So he just crashed it into the water and everybody survived. And he's honored everybody. All the um, workers on the plane were honored with this huge, like, medallion, like all these different things. They were celebrated. And America just kind of stopped and said, that's an honorable thing. He wrote a book about it, became a best-selling author, all these different things. It's, uh, so whenever I think of honorable things, I think of how we tend to celebrate those, celebrate those things. Um, there's a movie that came out, and I just kind of want to show you a clip from it. This was um, some years ago. Uh, Navy SEALs were sent in to rescue a U.S. citizen in the midst of a civil war in Nigeria. And it portrays the main character accomplishing this honorable feat. And the response of one woman is noted in this clip. I want you guys to take a look at this. It's a movie called Tears of the Sun. Never forget you. God. God will never forget you.
Like that in movies where we say, gosh, an honorable thing, right? I mean, just from that two-minute clip, you're like, oh, I need to see more. Like, what was the thing? We're kind of like drawn to this idea whenever someone is honored. And we, I mean, it's interesting because we have Veterans Day, obviously, and all these different days where we honor. But, but here's the deal. And I want to share this quote with you from Danny Silk. It says, um, the honor principle. You may want to write this down. I'll have it on the screen as well. It's from a book by Danny Silk. So there's a Bethel over in Redding, California. It says, accurately, the honor principle, accurately acknowledging who people are will position us to give them what they deserve and to receive the gift of who they are in our lives. Accurately acknowledging who people are will position us to give them what they deserve and to receive the gift of who they are in our lives or into our lives. Read it one more time as you guys are taking notes kind of quickly there. I see you're writing, typing. Accurately acknowledging who people are, the honor principle, will position us to give them what they deserve and to receive the gift of who they are in our lives. With this new mindset, I want us to understand, we must understand what gifts Jesus has given to his church. He has given unto us gifts. Ephesians describes it, and we're going to go, we're going to read two lengthy portions of scripture here. I want to give you couple different passages and a couple different angles. And we could go in all different uh, uh, routes and I could go into all different directions whenever it comes to the subject of honor. But I want to focus kind of on two primary, um, two primary uh, tasks, two primary challenges at the end of this night that hopefully our mindsets will be a, a little bit more renewed by the word of God as it relates to honor, especially within the body of Christ. If you have your Bibles, flip over to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to be reading out a New King James, starting at verse 7. And I'll go right there. Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 7. It says, but to each one of us, grace was given. Each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, he who ascended on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Verse 11 says, And he gave, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It is crucial to understand that as we kind of talk about honor tonight, that we realize 
that there are ways in which Jesus blesses us. He does things for us. I want to focus specifically on the people whom God sends to your life by way of pastors, preachers, leaders, mentors, but also peers, friends, family members, those kinds of things. Everybody trekking with me tonight? So I kind of want to teach a little bit. I love preaching the Word of God. I love passionate preaching. I love all of that. But I kind of want to kind of wear a teaching hat tonight and just kind of look at the Word of God and see how His Word can even kind of change us and transform us tonight. So the Scripture says in Ephesians, Paul wrote this. It says, after Jesus ascended, He gave gifts to the body of Christ. And he wasn't talking about there are different sets of gifts. Those of you who are at Quorum Day, we talked about spiritual gifts and, and you Maybe you've read about it, the nine manifestations or the nine charismata, the nine charismatic gifts that are given through the Holy Spirit to the body of Christ. Prophecy, tongues, interpretation, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of the spirit, etc., etc. But then there are also other gifts which Jesus himself has given to the church. You see, the gifts of the spirit are temporary. They are for the moment. But the gifts in which Jesus gives come in the way of people. They are ministry offices. So what he says is, I want to bless you, so I'll take a coal black well, I'll place a gifting on the inside of him, not just a gift of the Holy Spirit, but a gift that is with him for all of his life. Whether he chooses to walk in that and use that gift for the glory of God or not, because Jesus says that my gifts that I give unto you are irrevocable or without repentance. Once he gives it to us, he does not take it back. So I'll take a coal black well, I'll place the office of a prophet on coal and I will bless whatever church that he is in by sending coal to that body of believers or in him is the capacity to be a blessing to everyone that he comes in contact with, especially the local body of Christ who he is planted and, you know, utilizing his gifts. But here's the mistake that we make. I say, coal. I mean, we're all the same in the body of Christ, right? I mean, we're all sons and daughters. We're all, I mean, what's the big deal? And we make the mistake of dishonoring not only coal, but the gift that God has placed on the inside of coal. Therefore, we reap no benefits from this precious gift that God has placed in our midst. Are you guys getting this tonight? And so we can worship all we want and we can pray all we want and you can do all these different things. But the primary way of unlocking the gifts of God that are in those around you is to honor the person and honor the gift. This is not worship. This is honor. And I want to show you in the word of God tonight a couple different ways in which even Jesus himself in the passage of Mark, where he had so many gifts on the inside of him, and he was literally a gift and a treasure that God had sent down from heaven. But there were some instances where, gosh, there was no honor for him. There was no honor for the gift. So Jesus just kind of moved on. We don't want to make that mistake in our midst, you guys. It's a tragedy to make such a mistake. Because then we begin to waste the anointing that God has entrusted in coal or you fill in the blanks. Life in your own life. Amen? This is going to challenge some of your thinking tonight too, which is so great. I love that. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. And I want to read another kind of lengthy passage here just to show you the difference. Romans chapter 12. Let's look at verse 3. It says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly 
than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having then gifts, deferring according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Listen to this, verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor or hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. Everybody say, in honor. Giving preference to one another. There is a way that we can begin to honor one another where we will literally see an increase in the activity of the Holy Spirit, in the activity of God's hand operating, if we will capture and grasp in our hearts the principle of honor. You see, uh, God is so vast in his knowledge and in his wisdom. It's kind of like, in the, you know, in our government, we have this system of, of checks and balances, right? And so checks and balances kind of keeps everybody in order. Nobody gets, you know, there's only so much a person in charge can do. And in the same way, God has given us this gift, this principle of honor, where literally, even that's what Jesus was talking about it, in Scripture, where he says, submit ye one to another and pray for one another and so as Aubrey submits to Candace and Candace submits to Dan and Dan submits to Amy in doing these things and honoring one another, everybody gets blessed. And we realize and we remember that, gosh, we don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Man, God begins to use you. God begins to speak through you. God begins to, to, to answer your prayers in such a powerful and in a notable way. You will always remember, gosh, I'm not going to think of myself more highly than I ought. But he kind of puts this system of check and, checks and balances. Because how many of you know it's so much easier many times to honor those who are walking in humility, who always give the glory to God. It's a system of checks and balances, I believe. If we'll learn to honor one another, I want to say this because I want to make it so crystal clear. I believe that literally the culture in our midst, in our tribe, in our group, in our family will begin to change. And there's a way in which we can do this, primarily through our words. So let's move on here. <coughs> Five gifts were given to the church from Jesus, according to Scripture. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Then in addition to this, you have gifts in which the Holy Spirit entrusts to believers. That's prophecy, tongues, interpretation, you know, all those different things. Okay, so, so the former are offices, are persons to which God entrusts our sins to us, okay? The latter are gifts that come and go depending on whatever purpose needs to be accomplished in that moment. A main thrust of this series, you guys, and this message is learning to honor, again, not just those around you, but also the gift that is in their lives. Does that make sense? So Romans chapter 12 says this. Romans 12 says, in honor, giving preference one to another. 
and honor giving preference one to another. And I wonder why, I mean, even as, as Paul was writing this, he says, gosh, don't just prefer one another. Don't just serve one another, but do it in such a spirit that has honor. And so I just kind of was studying this out. Let's look at First Thessalonians, then we'll come back and kind of look at what it means to honor. But another charge that Paul gives the church at Thessaloniki, chapter 5, verses 12 through 13, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. Now, I don't expect for you to shout me down and amens tonight because, because here's the deal. I just want to ask you a rhetorical question tonight. I don't ask many, many of these where I don't want a verbal response, but gosh, how well are you honoring the leaders that God has placed in your life. And I'm not just talking about staff. I'm talking about discipleship leaders. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about your mom and your dad. I'm talking about pastors even back at home who kind of have shepherded you and mentored you. I'm talking about leaders. I'm talking about even on a peer level, peer leaders who have poured, who have poured into you and who are there to encourage you and who pray for you. How well are you honoring them? Just think about that. And I'm not saying just a trite little thank you every now and then, but how well, because let's look at this verse again. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect, wholehearted love. Who are you greatly respecting? What leaders are you greatly respecting? What leaders are you wholeheartedly loving? And here's the thing about honor. It doesn't just take, it's got to be connected to your heart. It's kind of like submission versus obedience. I can do, do, do. It's kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you tell me to, you know, sit down. I'm, I'm sitting down, but inside I am just standing up. I am running around the room. These kinds of things. These are heart, these are heart issues that I'm just asking. How well do you honor? Because this generation is such a dishonorable one. There's no honor. We like to see it in movies. But whenever it comes down to us and us honoring someone else, especially in positions of authority, (laughs) I mean, we don't want to get into man worship. You know, there's one God. You just keep on on behaving that way. You'll never reap the great harvest that Jesus has placed in the hearts and entrusted on the lives of, of those who is sent to your very life. You'll make it into heaven. But what about along the way, the blessings that God wanted to pour over you, the wisdom, the whatever, if it's gifts of healing, if it's whatever those things are. I believe this, you guys. If we'll capture this in our heart, we'll see a significant increase because it'll just be this, this kind of atmosphere of just honoring one another and serving one another, and submitting one to another. These are hard things. This is not something that you just kind of overnight just, oh man, I am so, but look, this is one of my core values, you guys. Like, whenever I die, I want it to be said of me. Lots of great things, whatever, but Brandon was a man of honor, that he honored those in authority, that he honored those who were on his level, that he honored those who he was leading. 
goes three ways. It's multidimensional. You honor up, you honor around, you honor down. And when I mean down, I don't mean like, you know, you're better than somebody else, but you kind of get what I mean, like on the leadership ladder. Everybody, does that make sense, everybody? Okay, cool. But those who you are serving, those who, who are following behind you, you honor down, you honor around, those are on your same level, and you honor, you honor up. And I'm just asking, who, who are you honoring in all three of those categories? Just think about that. The dictionary definition of honor. Dictionary definition of honor. It's a noun form. It's just high respect or esteem. In the verb form, it means to regard with, with great respect. The Greek word most commonly translated honor is teme. Teme. Okay? And here's what teme means. The worth one ascribes to a person that is satisfaction or compensation or evaluation, honor, okay? The value of a thing, price, purchase price, in detail to me denotes a legal, almost like an appraisal, a compensation, a penalty, satisfaction. Webster's, the old Webster's defines honor as to revere, to respect, or to treat with deference and submission. So in summary, it's the value that you place both on the person and the gift that they carry. In summary, it's the value. And so, so here's the deal. It's very easy to say, gosh, I really value Aubrey. But what's really going on in your heart? Do you esteem her lightly? Or do you really know the gifts of God that are in her life? It's one thing to say, gosh, I really value Amy Perkins. I mean, yeah, she's awesome. (laughs) But it's another thing to say, gosh, there are gifts that are on the inside of her. And while I'm not worshiping her, I'm worshiping God. I want to honor her because I want the gift of God that he has placed on the, I want it to flourish and I want to be one of the recipients of it. And I want to empower her. And I, you see what I'm saying? Just by honoring. And you want the same thing to be done to you. Give. Not just financially. And it will be given unto you. Good measure. pressed down. Shaken together. Shall men give unto your bosom. That's in every area. This is a kingdom principle 101. You give honor. You receive honor. And everybody gets blessed. Honor is never about the person receiving it. It is always about the person that God calls to give it. Did you catch that? That's why in the New Testament, Paul said, honor even wicked authority, even those who are, who, even those who you don't agree with, because then we, we have this concept. To honor means that I agree with everything they believe, say, and do. Absolutely wrong. That's immaturity. God's goal for you. Purpose is a big buzzword. Let me tell you your purpose. It's to mature in Christ. It is to mature in Christ. That's everybody's purpose. You can stop reading books about it, okay? I'm just, I mean, I'm kind of tongue-in-cheek here. But honestly, every single one of us must make it our goal and our aim to mature in the things of God. You don't want to just stay a child your whole life. I know 40s and 50 and 60-year-olds who are still childish in the things of the Spirit. Childish in their faith. And God said, this is my purpose for you. I want you to mature. And so one of the ways in which we mature, guys, is grasping this thing. It's very hard for spiritually immature Christians to honor. It is the farthest thing 
from the flesh to honor, to honor those around us. This is why you can be so disrespectful even to your roommate. Come on, somebody. This is why you can be so mean-spirited to those right here in DLA because honor is the farthest thing from your flesh. But God calls us to crucify the flesh. He calls us to kill it, not negotiate with it, not play with it, but to kill it. Dishonor is bound up in our flesh. It does not go away whenever we make Jesus our Lord. Your flesh is still very much so alive. And every day we have to come before Jesus saying, God, let this die in me. I cannot tell you the amount of prayers that I pray. God, let dishonor die in me. It's not cute. It's not funny. It's not attractive. Nobody likes it. They may laugh, but nobody really likes it deep down inside. Everybody's drawn to those who honor I'm telling you guys, if you'll be a person of honor, you will have no shortage of people who want to follow you. Because in honor, everybody wins. In a culture of honor, everybody thrives. Everybody, nobody loses whenever we're honoring. Because even the person receiving honor, they will give it back doubly to those whom they serve. Don't we see this in Jesus? Even while Mary... He washed his feet. I mean, gosh, what does he do to the disciples? He washes 12 people's feet. I mean, it's just, it, it comes out of a heart of honor, maturity as sons and daughters in Jesus Christ. And so for some of you, I realize that this is such a foreign concept because you've lived dishonorably for so much of your life. And so did I. My challenge to you is to take this to the Lord in prayer. And honestly evaluate and say, gosh, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 is super honoring. And 1 is, gosh, I had no idea. I pray that the light of the Holy Spirit would shine and blast into the darkness of our hearts. Where dishonor is so bound up. And we would allow Jesus to come in and say, let me teach you how to be honoring. Let me teach you how to be a blessing to others by honoring them. Therefore, unlocking the gift of God that I've placed in their lives. Every single one of you are a gift from the Lord to those around you. Do you realize that? Hey, do, you, do you really realize that? You weren't just dreamt up. Guys, everything that God does, he foreknows, he preordains, he has it in his mind and in his heart. You've got to know that you are literally a prophetic word from heaven. Kaczynski, you've got to know. Come on. You are a prophetic word from heaven, Adam. And it's like, it doesn't matter how you got here. It's just the point is that you are here. And you are a gift, Gabe, to everyone around you. And if you'll learn to honor others, then others will begin honoring you. And that gift will begin to grow and flourish and purpose will be no foreign thing anymore. It's much easier to discover your purpose in a culture of honor. Because people will begin to call it forth in you. That's what we're really saying tonight. Come on, somebody. I want to be a man of honor. God wants you to be men and women of honor. Again, honor is never, ever about the recipient. For it is always about the one that's bestowing 
the honor upon them. 1 Peter 2, 17. 1 Peter 2, 17 says, Honor all people, not just Christ followers, not just ones that see things eye to eye, not just ones that believe every single thing that you do. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Again, the gift that you honor in others is the blessing you'll receive from them. Write down the scripture. It's not on the screen, but Matthew chapter 10, verse 41. Just kind of want to shed some light. I feel like uh, it's in this verse. It says, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. You guys, this is not just talking about in the age to come. It is the reward that comes in honoring the gift that's in it. And so literally you could take the scripture and say, he who honors a pastor in the name of a pastor will receive a a pastor's reward. He who receives a singer in the name of the singer will receive the singer. Well, what is the reward that I have if I'm a singer? I'm going to bless you. I'm going to lead you in worship. We honor moose. We honor the musicians. We honor those from the bassist to the the drummer to the electric guitar player. We honor the musicians in the name of the musicians and we will receive the musician's reward. What is the reward? To literally be a blessing to all of us. Are you guys getting this? So, so, so we honor those who, gosh, if somebody has a, a prophetic gift, we want to honor that prophetic gift in the name of the prophetic gift, and we shall receive the reward. What is the reward? Gosh, the spirit of prophecy is a testimony to Jesus Christ. We want to honor. We want to receive the reward of honor, not just in the age to come, but also right here. He who receives a giver in the name of a giver shall receive a giver's reward. Come on, somebody. You need some givers up in your life. We got mission strips coming up. Come on. And so, honest, <laughs> you can laugh. <laughs> and so, uh, honestly, guys, these are, there are principles that God has given us in the word of God. This is not brown nosing. This is not manipulative. This is not, this is honor. I grew up just in a background once I got saved and started going to former church before we came here. Gosh, honor was such a big thing that was just kind of taught to us, just even as teenagers in our youth group. I mean, it's like, gosh, this is going to be a house of honor, whether you like it or not. I mean, that was just kind of the way. And so some would look and say, oh, that's not, well, well, you, uh." but you know what? People begin to thrive in their gifts And we saw the gift of giving because givers were honored. So people were blessed by their reward. You see what I'm saying? And we saw gifts of healings because we honored the person. We honored those who, gosh, it seemed like, I mean, we can all pray for healing, but come on, let's just be real. There are some who, whenever they pray, it's just like, man, like literally, I mean, supernatural healings just begin to take place. So we begin to honor their gift and honor that person. And we see more healings because of it. And we begin to honor preaching gifts. And we begin to honor those who had some level of teaching or preaching, calling that forth in them. And then more and more preachers would arise. And then we're all blessed because we grow together in the body of Christ. In this community, you guys, look for opportunities to honor one another at a peer level, 
Look for opportunities to honor your leaders and the DLA staff. Look for opportunities to honor those whom you are serving on a weekly basis. You will receive the reward that comes from their life. And in turn, they will be strengthened and more confident to operate in their God-given gift and ability, their destiny, their purpose. And you just get to play a little role in it just by honoring Bucky. It's about honoring him. Amen? For the sake of being redundant, just know that I really want to drive this point home. Let's look back at our text, main text, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. I want you to turn there so you could highlight some things in your Bible or, or make a note of it in your electronic Bible. Mark chapter 6. I want us to look at this one more time because I think this is so pivotal. You know, we were, while we were in Trinidad and Tobago, myself, Pastor Dan, Amy, we were all just kind of talking about um, miracles and we were talking about signs and wonders and we're talking about how, gosh, it seems to be so much more prevalent in some cultures than others and in Africa and just across the board. And we were just going to, gosh, just kind of look at them, studied this for several years and just kind of looked at different teachings and gosh, God, you know, it seems like, man, there's more activity of these things, you know, in other countries or on special trips that we go on. And so as we were just dialoguing about this, we we're going to just discuss, man, let's think about Jesus and Mark chapter 6. Gosh, it surely does seem like wherever we go to foreign soil, those of you who have been on mission trips, that people's faith is greater. I wouldn't necessarily say that because I think there's just as much faith here in the United States. What I don't think there is as much of is honor. But we'll talk about those in leadership as though it's no big deal. I mean, we will openly criticize those in authority. Oh, don't amen. As if Scripture does not say to honor all authority. All people will quickly criticize and will judge and will give zero honor because somebody's not just like us or doesn't see things the way that we do, even as Christ followers. In some kind of way, we feel justified in doing so. And we continue to go through our little cycles and praying for different things. And I feel like somewhere along the way, we've missed this, this, this gift, this blessing, this charge, this command of honoring all people. Especially our Christian leaders, especially our pastors and our leaders, because we make, uh, we are just infected with this fatal flaw of familiarity. Oh, it's no big deal. It's just Candace. It's just Dan. It's just Amy. I mean, well, how many times have you said it? Can we just be honest and real? And so even as a staff, we are taking strides. I, don't, I think it's seldom that you hear anything from this pulpit that we haven't at some level or another discussed as a staff or wrestled through or apologized for or repented of. Even as our staff, you guys, we want to begin to honor the gifting that Jesus has placed in all of our lives, whether it is a spouse or a sibling or a, you know what I'm saying? And we have lots of spouses and siblings or an acquaintance or a best friend or whatever, coworker. We are bent 
um, getting this principle of honor because we actually believe that the entire culture of our desperation ministry, of our movement will change because there will be something in our hearts that just was not as prevalent, as was, that was not as alive as it was previously. And we want to invite you guys to come on this journey with us. Amen? So Mark chapter 6, or going back to just this idea, gosh, in Africa or, or, or wherever, there seems to be high levels of honor. They take care of people. They take care of those in leadership. Even if you've ever been a guest and speaking before, speaking in India before, they're on a mission trip, and there's just so much honor, almost to the point of, gosh, just chill out. Don't do that. But, but, but then, but what we don't get, what we don't understand, though, is that they've seen the blessings, and they've reaped some rewards that they want to continue to reap in people. We're so dishonoring, you guys. We're so dishonoring. I've been so dishonoring, even in my own life, and just saying, you know what, Jesus, I want to, to honor more. And here's the painful part. The closer you become with, the closer you get with people, a lot of times the more difficult it is to honor them. It's the fatal flaw of familiarity. And so many times we'll dishonor those who are closest to us and we'll write it off as, <laughs> but in doing so, we are literally stopping the flow of the reward that God brought you, them into your life to begin with. It's not just to tell funny jokes and make you laugh. There's a reward on their life. There's a calling. There's an assignment. There's an anointing on their life. And you'll never reap the rewards of it if you do not intentionally honor them. We see this all the time, you guys. Those of you who have led worship before, and gosh, whenever you go into a room, and it's like nobody is really engaged, you know, nobody's paying attention. It's dishonoring. It's dishonoring. And so it's not the, necessarily the worship leader's fault that, gosh, everything's dead in the room. It's your lack of honor for the gift that is on their life. Oh, take some responsibility tonight. It's not that the preacher's just so horrible. It's the amount of dishonor that's in the room. <laughs> oh, come on, you guys. So let's look at this. Let's look at it again, and we'll get ready to close tonight. Mark chapter 6. Jesus left that part of the country. That part of the country, let me just tell you, and you can go back and read in Luke chapter 5. He had just finished raising a dead girl from, from he, had just beginning, he had just finished raising a dead girl back to life. Okay, so that's the context. And let me just give you a little bit of background here. Mark wrote in order to communicate the vast amount of authority and power that the Son of Man and the Son of God had. If you read through the book of Mark, it is very quick. It moves from one supernatural miracle to the other in comparison to Matthew, John, the Synoptic Gospels, and also um, uh, John. It's like, it's like he just kind of goes, it's kind of like you're reading like a, a superhero movie kind of novel, and Jesus is showing up and doing all of these things. And so it's totally bizarre, to say the least, whenever he begins to talk about Jesus in this context, because we see miracle after miracle, and then we finish... And Mark is the only one, of course, who records at the end of Mark. And these signs shall follow those who believe. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. If they drink anything deadly, it shall not harm them. They shall take up serpents. I mean, just like all these different things. And right here in the middle of Mark, Mark chapter 6, Jesus left that part of the country where he just finished raising a dead girl back to life and returned with his disciples to Nazareth. Everybody say Nazareth. That was the homestead. That was the hometown. That was where everybody knew him, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue. 
And many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? They dishonored the miraculous power of Jesus. They dishonored the wisdom of Jesus. They scoffed. He's just a carpenter. When was the last time that kind of language came out about some of your leaders or those around you? That's just Zach Dillon. I mean, just Zach from Colorado Springs. Graduated TCS. It's just Zach. That's just Gabe. He works in lighting and he does BLA. That's just... Come on, you guys. That's just a carpenter, the son of Mary. And in saying this, Mark is recording for us even the attitude because how many other times do you ever see Jesus being called the son of Mary? It was dishonoring to him because it was always, the son was always, the man was always known as the son of his father. Hello, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus, the son of Joseph, but it's almost like they're saying, that's the son of Mary. They don't even acknowledge his father, which in and of itself was a statement of dishonor. I mean, these are mean people. The son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, I know them all. And his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe. So here's the deal. Whenever we are not intentionally walking in honor, we will become easily offended, especially with those in authority over us. Because we begin to dismiss their position of authority and only relate to them relationally, and then we'll become offended whenever they have to speak words of correction over us. Amen. Amen. You see, honor many times is for our protection. Again, I tell you, honor is never about the person that you're giving it to. It's to protect your heart from offense. We have all known people who walk in the spirit of offense. It's almost like jumping off a cliff and trying to pull them back. I mean, it's nearly impossible to do. What honor does is say, you know what? Yes, I can be buds with you. Yes, I can be friends with you. But there is a deep level of esteem and honor that I have because of the office that you walk in, because of the gift that is on your life. So I will honor you, and I'll treat you with great respect and wholehearted love. Does this make sense to you guys? Again, some of you are like deer in headlights, and it's all good. So let the light of revelation strike your heart and wrestle with this I'll wrestle with the Holy Spirit. It's his word, not mine. So they say that's just the carpenter, the son of Mary, dishonored him. Yeah, we know his brothers and his sisters. Sisters live right here. They were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Verse 4, then Jesus told them. Remember Mark's writing. He has an agenda here. A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. I want to suggest to you tonight 
part of their issue, part of the reason why they had such unbelief was because of their lack of honor for Jesus. Now just think about it. Had they held him in a position of esteem and honor, gosh, it's so much easier to believe that, man, Jesus can do everything. Jesus can do anything. I honor who he is and the gifts that are in his life. Again, honor is for our protection. No one else. Cable. Thanks, Gabe. I honor you, Gabe. I come up here and fix this. <laughs> you want to use this handheld? Just for you there? Cool. Let me get this test. The prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his relatives and his own family. So as we kind of get ready to close tonight, again, is this muted? Why don't you mute the headset? I'll use the handheld. So again, it's a bizarre thing to see the words he could not in the book of Mark. Because again, Mark is writing, Jesus is a superhero all throughout the book of Mark. So it's very strange to see this Phrase this description describing Jesus. Jesus could not, what, huh? Well, you wrestle with that theologically. I'm just telling you what Mark wrote. He could not. Gosh, I thought God could do anything. He's limitless in his power and in his bounds. But here's the deal. Whenever he's fully God and fully man, what he did many times, and many times he would do operate beyond the faith, but gosh, whenever it comes to, it wasn't even a belief thing, I don't believe, at the core, because there were many times where Jesus used his own faith. I mean, it wasn't contingent upon the faith of somebody believing. Many times there were, but sometimes Jesus said, okay, I'll just step out on my own faith, and I will heal you, and I'll do whatever, but there's something tricky. There's something different about this particular passage that Mark finds it necessary to include all the different indications of the level of dishonor. I believe that sometimes Jesus went where he was celebrated, not where he was tolerated. And it's the same thing for us. We want to celebrate the gifts that God brings into our life. We don't want to just tolerate each other. Oh, Lord, here they come again. There she goes praying again. Here she comes another encouraging word. Gosh, let me tolerate this. Here he comes playing the keyboard again. He's playing every wrong note and singing and all these different things. We don't want to tolerate. We want to celebrate the gifts of God because we want to honor. Come on, somebody. As the worship team prepares to come up here, I want you guys just to return. Again, in the previous chapter, Jesus raises a girl from the dead. And let me tell you, in the following chapter, he's doing miracles again. He's in an atmosphere where he is being honored. So he literally feeds 5,000 people by multiplying, you know, the bread and the fish and, and doing all these things. So it's like miracles, miracles, miracles. Pause. Paul, I mean, Mark calls us like almost emphatically to realize this is one area where he did not where he could not because of the level of dishonor that was taking place. 
So what am I talking about tonight? What are ways in which you, you can honor? And if you read on in Mark chapter 6, he even gives his disciples some instructions. He says, okay, I'm giving you the power to cast out devils, to perform miracles. And then he tells them this, wherever you go, if they do not receive you, I want you to shake the dust off of your feet. And it's almost like he was saying where you are highly dishonored, I don't even want you to try because nothing will happen. Isn't that interesting? Okay, read it. It is. Let me just tell you. That's interesting. Okay? Because he says, okay, wherever, and you preach the gospel and heal the sick and cleanse the lepers and cast out devils and do all these things. But he says, where they do not receive you, I want you to shake your foot and I want you to go somewhere else where you're at least honored. Not believed in, not agreed with, but at least honor. The Jewish culture was one of a shame honor society so they understood this perfectly. It's almost like they were used to debating and arguing and doing all these things. They understood perfectly that honor does not mean fully agree but at least I will honor you. May not agree with you, may not, I don't even understand where you're coming from but I will honor you as a Christ follower. I'll honor my peers I'll honor my leaders I'll honor those who I serve. There's something about it, you guys. The Holy Spirit wants to just impart into our heart. Mary's son couldn't do any miracles. These are just phrases. Couldn't do any miracles. I want you guys to make a decision tonight to avoid the flaw of familiarity. Leaders, friends, family. Many of you are going to have many opportunities to say, oh, it's just my little brother. It's just my big sister. Are you going home for Thanksgiving? This is spiritual. This is a big deal. To honor your family. To honor your mom and dad. To honor your pastors and your leaders back at home. So you get creative. You're saying, well, how do I do it? Get creative. You want to be a person of honor. I've just kind of made up my heart to do so. Tonight, I wanted to give you kind of a, a challenge and a way in which, gosh, the honor would kind of come alive in your hearts. And uh, whenever Jesus began to talk about serving and those who are greatest among you, all these different things, that was a way in which he kind of demonstrated this. And he says, gosh, there's... <laughs> Who's the greatest among you? Let him, let him become a servant. There was something about the level of honor that Jesus received, but even more so that Jesus gave out to others. I want Dan and Amy to come. I want you to both sit just respectively here, and I want Aubrey to come and help me. Tonight, I, guys, I, I just want you guys, and we'll give you opportunities tonight here's what we're going to do Aubrey and I are both going to wash the feet of Dan and Amy and we're going to speak a blessing over them blessings of honor just calling them forth just short and simple here and then this is what we're going to do as the worship team begins to play and lead us into worship there are about 20 stations all over this room and in your own heart Guys with guys, girls with girls, I want you to, number one, 
It's two prong. Number one, think about someone whom you have dishonored with your words, with your attitude, with your disrespect. And I want us to repent before Jesus tonight. And in turn, I believe that Jesus is going to pour a passion for honor in your heart. I believe that he's going to stamp your heart with a holy desire to not worship those around you. Again, there is a distinction, but to value them and to place a high value on the gifts of God that are on their lives and the treasure that they are. Oh, let us not take one another for granted. Let us not take our leaders for granted. So Dan, if you'll just take off your shoes there. And I want to give, and I just want to model this for you guys. And Aubrey, I'll pass her the microphone. And then what we're going to do again, there's many stations all around. And you guys can dim the lights a little bit if you want to. And the, But I just want us to take some moments. At your seat, I want you just to repent for any level of dishonor. And the Holy Spirit is so cool. He'll bring pictures of people both home and abroad need to just kind of repent for. And so once you've done that, after we kind of conclude here, I want you to find someone, and it can be someone that you've dishonored or not. It can just be a, a D group leader or any of that leaders can, uh, it doesn't matter, anybody. I want you to wash their feet. Even the water, we just kind of poured anointing oil in there. Just this is kind of just to remind you, gosh, whenever Mary washed the feet of Jesus, there was a there was a fragrance. There was a, something there just to remind her, gosh, God's presence is here and it was precious and it was valuable. I want you to wash their feet. There's towels all over. I want you to speak a prayer blessing. So just kind of like this. Kind of like this. You know what, Dan? I just bless you as a man of God. I honor the gift of God that you are, the calling that's on your life as a pastor, as an evangelist, as a prophetic voice of this generation, as a leader of leaders among men, calling forth young people into their destiny. I honor the gift that you are, the gift that you have in your life, and I bless you tonight in the name of Jesus, and I will make intentional decisions as I wash your feet tonight to call forth your destiny and your purpose in Jesus Christ. But I want to receive the gift that is on your life in Jesus' name. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.